Well, good morning. A little stress this morning. Wednesday, November 23rd, 2023. Wednesday, November 23rd, 2023. Slava Ukraine, Slava. I, let me just say, okay? Spotify, you're getting really annoying. I just spent the last hour and a half trying to log in. Okay? You need to do something with your app. There's a problem. Oh, you don't know what I went through this. I almost didn't, I almost wasn't able to do the podcast today because of Spotify. The most piece of crap company ever. And it's because they, they really, they, they have a, 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 um, a monopoly, really. I mean, there's a bunch of tiny little companies, but Spotify really has a monopoly and they need to be broken up in the United States. Absolutely. Let's, let's go for that. I, if, you, if you haven't noticed, I'm a little angry this morning because it is now quarter of nine and I've been trying to record since 6.30 this morning. That's two and a half hours, nearly. Oh, Let's get to it. PVTV, Political Views TV Podcast. That's what you Google to find me. Tell your friends to Google Political Views TV Podcast. Those four words. I'll show up right at the top of the search. Man, do I appreciate you so much coming every day and listening to me rant like I just did. <laughs> if you can, please bring someone with you uh, today or tomorrow. That would be awesome. And you can um, tweet to me or X to me questions or insights or come fight with me at Cyberclops, C-Y-B-E-R-C-L-O-P-S on formerly known as Twitter. Uh, let's start as we usually do. Well, let's start with a little sip of, uh, of, of this coffee. <clears throat> then uh, let's start with the war in Ukraine. Uh, Putin has said Moscow is ready for talks to end the tragedy of war in Ukraine, but blamed uh, a Kiev law that prohibits uh, talks. Uh, of, of course, as you remember, Ukraine's President Volodymyr Zelensky signed a decree in October 2022 formally declaring the prospect of any Ukrainian talks with Putin impossible but leaving the door open to discussions with Russia. I, it, it's because Putin started this war, and he, and, he's, and he says that Putin can't be trusted. Of course, and he can't be trusted. Uh, and, and meaning Putin would have to be gone for any discussions uh, to talk, uh, uh, to, to, to begin. Uh, Putin bit off way more than he could chew and is refusing to acknowledge that. This, this just shows that the war is costing Russia more than it can afford, and Putin needs a way out. Uh, more proof of Russia's need to end this is in its threats. The Russian foreign ministry said relations with the U.S. were extremely thin and risked being torn at any moment. Maria Zakharova told reporters Washington's actions could lead to unpredictable consequences. A little bit of, little bit of saber rattling. I'm going to have to buy a, a sword with a saber just to rattle it a little. <laughs> uh, Russians, uh, uh, wait a minute, here we go. That's a fork and a plate, but it sort of sounds like a saber. Uh, Russia's foreign ministry ambassador, a large uh, Rodion Miroshnik said, uh, ambassador at large, Rodium Miroshnik, said Russia could not coexist with the pres present government in Kiev. 
<laughs> the current regime is absolutely toxic and we do not see any option for coexistence with it at this moment. Uh, today, Russia said it had protested to Finland after a damaged Russian tank was placed on display near the Finnish parliament. The foreign ministry spokesperson, Maria Zakharova, accused Helsinki of Russophobia. She said, why are they doing this? For what? Why do Finns need this? The damaged Russian T-72B3 tank was put on display on Saturday in an initiative by two pro-Ukrainian associations in Finland to remind people of the conflicts in Ukraine. Helsinki said it was responding to a surge in asylum seekers who it said were being funneled to the border by Russia, an accusation that Moscow has denied, but you know, they have proof of all this. Um, Zakharova blamed Finland for the problem, but said, we are open to dialogue particularly on border-related issues. In more threats, Zakharova said that Russia will, of course, respond if Finland closes the remaining border post between the two countries without specifying what its reaction would be. Saber rattling. <laughs> Uh, the U.S. Vo uh, voiced concerns that Iran may provide Russia with ballistic missiles for its war uh, against Ukraine. Uh, National Security Council spokesman uh, John Kirby said a development that would probably be disastrous for the Ukrainian people. And as expected, Hungary's Prime Minister Viktor Orban is threatening to block Ukraine's candidacy for the membership of the EU. He has written... Uh, to the European Council president, uh, the current president, Charles Michel, arguing that the official candidacy recommended on the uh, 8th of November by the European Commission should not be endorsed by EU leaders. You're right, like anyone's going to listen to you, the backsliding democracy. Uh, the leaders meet on the 14th and 15th of December with a recommendation that candidacy, candidacy should be granted in mid-December, high on the agenda. But Orban says the council leaders must have a frank and open discussion on the feasibility of EU strategic objectives in Ukraine, which presently aim to achieve the military victory of Ukraine and the military defeat of Russia with the intention to induce fundamental political changes in Russia. He asked in a letter, do we regard these objectives as re realistically attainable? Now, whenever Hungary starts being very vocal against Ukraine, you can bet it's because Putin asked Viktor Orban to do it. You can bet that's the reason, and everybody knows it. Same with when uh, uh, Belarus does it. I, and, and But Hungary is part of the EU, which is ridiculous. They should be tossed from the EU. There should be a means to toss somebody from the EU, but there isn't. Ukraine's president, Volodymyr Zelensky, says uh, the country's troops, that country, the country's troops face difficult defensive operations on parts of the Eastern Front as bitter winter cold settles in. But in a Telegram post today, he added that forces in the South we're still conducting offensive actions. Uh, Zelensky said, difficult weather 
difficult defense on the Lyman, Bakhmut, Donetsk, and Av- Avdivka fronts. Offensive actions in the south. The temperature in Bakhmut is minus 6 degrees centigrade, which for you um, uh, who are centigrade challenged, I believe that's around 20 degrees. Is that about right? I'm not sure. You'd have to look it up. But I think 20 degrees Fahrenheit. I think that's right around there. Zelensky added, maybe 22. Uh, He added, the Black Sea Grain Corridor shows good results. The last days were a record for the volume of transported goods. The uh, Romanian Black Sea port of uh, Constanta shipped a record high, 29.4 metric, uh, 29.4 million metric tons of Ukrainian grain between January and October. Poland said it, uh, today it had charged 16 foreign individuals with spying for Russia. AFP reports for allegedly preparing acts of sabotage and gathering information on military equipment deliveries to Ukraine. Germany yesterday unveiled another large military aid package for Ukraine during an un- unannounced visit to Kiev by the defense minister that coincided with the 10th anniversary of the historic Maidan, uh, Maiden protest, M-A-I-D-A-N. European Union leader Charles Michel and Moldovan leader Maya Sandu were also in the capital of uh, Kiev, becoming the latest officials to throw their political clout behind behind Ukraine during the surprise trips. A flurry of visits from senior Western officials have sought to reassure Kiev of more military support as the world's attention shifts to the Middle East and questions emerge over U.S. funding for Ukraine, unveiled by Defense Minister Boris Pistorius after talks with the, uh, his Ukrainian counterpart, uh, Rustam Umarov in Kiev. A German package is worth 1.3 billion euros which is uh, $1.4 billion, good good amount of money, uh, and included four further Iris TSLM air defense systems as well as artillery ammunition. And they need need the air defense to guard against um, uh, Russia trying to take out the, the infrastructure uh, in Ukraine, which really uh, deflates people's hopes when that happens. Uh, Pistorius said, I am here again. Firstly, to pledge further support, but also to express our solidarity and deep bound and also our admiration for the courageous, brave and costly fight that is being waged here. This as he laid flowers on Maiden Square in central Kiev for to remember the, you know, uh, the protest. Uh, Ukraine marked the 10th anniversary of the pro-Europe maiden protest, which eventually brought down the Kremlin-backed President Viktor Yanukovych. Yanukovych. Uh, in a statement, President Volodymyr Zelensky said the protest marked the first victory in Ukraine's battle against Russia. It was a victory against indifference, a victory of courage, the victory of the revolution of dignity. The United Nations Human Rights Monitoring Mission in Ukraine said more than 10,000 civilians have been killed since Russia began its full-scale invasion of the country last year in February. It added, with corroboration work continuing, the actual toll was likely to be significantly higher. And and I'm thinking it's probably around 40,000, to be perfectly honest. I mean, a lot of people just got killed, especially early in the war. 
Uh, Ukraine's defense ministry said criminal proceedings, maybe not 40,000, maybe 20,000, maybe, yeah. Uh, you, uh, as far as civilians, not including soldiers. Ukraine's defense ministry said criminal proceedings had begun into the misuse of more than $1 million of government funds by a military unit in the northern Chernihiv region. Uh, the ministry found that the cost of generators had been inflated and that they had remained in warehouses instead of being delivered to where they were needed. I, and you know, gotta hand it to President Zelensky. He is bringing the hammer down on corruption in his administration, long waited for, for the, for, since 1991. I mean, this has been a long path. And he, the actor, the comedian, is the one who pulls it off. He's doing a great job. Uh, Ukrainian authorities announced investigations into two lawmakers on suspicion of involvement in attempts to bribe top reconstruction officials the National Anti-Corruption Bureau of U Ukraine, NABU, said it had caught one of the lawmakers, a member of parliament in Ukraine, Anti-Corruption Committee, allegedly offering the country's first ever documented bribe in Bitcoin. The other lawmaker is suspected of arranging the handover in a Kiev supermarket parking lot of $150,000 in cash stuffed inside a Chinese decorative Box, which might have something going on there. Who knows? Nabu did not name the officials. Uh, the Air Force said this morning that overnight Ukrainian air defenses shot down all 14 Shahid drones launched by Russian forces. There were no immediate reports of casualties or major damage. Russia said its anti-aircraft units destroyed three Ukrainian drones over the Crimean Peninsula. At least two people were killed after Russia firing a new barrage of missiles and drones hitting a hospital in the town of Seldove in the eastern Donetsk region and a mine nearby. The Air Force said it destroyed nine of ten drones and cruise missiles launched by Russia. Moscow also, uh, Moscow also targeted Ukraine with four guided missiles. Odessa Governor Oleg Keeper said Russia targeted port infrastructure in the Black Sea uh, city of Odessa, but no one was injured. The Southern Military Command said Russia used X-31 missiles and also struck the Belharad Dniester district in, it's not Belgorod, Belharad uh, Dniester district in the region hitting administrative buildings. Russia Defense Ministry said its Marines are, were stopped, uh, stopping all attempts by the armed forces of Ukraine to carry out am amphibious landings on the Dnipro Islands and the left bank of the Dnipro River in the southern Kherson region. I, I, I doubt that's really happening, but I'm sure they're uh, accomplishing something here and there. Uh, uh, because remember, the... the the left bank, the south bank, or the east bank, uh, is occupied now by Ukraine forces. And I don't know if they're really stopping much amphibious landings. Uh, Ukraine's military spokesperson, Alexander Stupin, said Russia had reduced ground assaults and airstrikes on the eastern town of Avdivka, but had not abandoned their plans to surround the town. He said Ukrainian forces repelled eight attacks yesterday. The military said there had also been an increase in Russian attacks on nearby Marienka. 
The Russian Defense Ministry latest update mentioned that its troops were attacking villages south of Avdivka, but gave few details. Uh, now that I have your attention, let's move on. Let's try and fix the rest of the world. Of course, we're starting with Israel on this part, this leg of our journey. The director of the aid group that runs the Indonesian hospital in Gaza, where Israel attacks killed at least a dozen people on Monday, appealed directly to U.S. President Joe Biden, imploring him to push Israel to accept a ceasefire, which might be coming, at least a, a real short respite. Sarbini Abdul Murad, head of Medical Emergency Rescue Committee in Indonesia, wrote in a letter to Biden, Gazans are facing death every day. Every five minutes, a Palestinian child is killed. Murad asserted that Israel, excuse me, Israeli forces have attacked babies, children, women, the elderly, the disabled, hospitals, ambulances, medics, schools, teachers, residential complexes, worship places, and much more. This is completely genocide and ethnic cleansing. He went on to seriously call out Biden, saying, It is very unfortunate that your siding with Israel by facilitating weapons of mass destruction has actually made the conflict even wider. Your action clearly contradicts various international treaties and agreements that apply to the existence of Palestine. You have destroyed the international rules of the game, insulted the authority of the UN, torn apart the sense of justice, hurt human values, and tarnished the face of human civilizations. Man, is that harsh. Mr. President, we believe you still have a conscience. Your conscience, your great country certainly wants to be seen as honorable for its humanitarian defenses. Moreover, your administration has determined to make the principles of multilateral, multilateralism, justice, and human rights the foundation of United States foreign policy. So actually, this is the right to prove it. The, Murad added, for the sake of peace and humanity, we demand that you immediately do cease fire, restore the dignity of the United States as a country that upholds human rights. The ceasefire must be implemented now and as not to increase the loss of life on both sides. And, and let's remind you, every time, every time Joe Biden or any president of the United States continues to cause human rights violation like they did in the, in the Iraq war. Yeah, let's not forget Abu Ghraib. Okay. Like they do all over the world. Every time they do that, they have less and less power to tell China or Russia that they are creating human rights abuses. And something should be said about that. Are our view of who we are by the rest of the world is suffering every day that Joe Biden allows this to go on. I, I, let me just uh, side note here, real quick side note here. The people who were killed on October 7th, that was horrific. I'm horrified by all the people that were kidnapped and held and killed 
while they were being held. And some were killed by Israeli airstrikes, mind you. I'm horrified by all that. Nobody should die on the Israeli side or the Palestinian side. But I can separate these two issues. There's two different issues. There's, there's the attack by Hamas, which was horrible. There's the attack by Israel, which is even more horrible, what they've done. There's also the apartheid that's been going on for 56 years. There's also uh, uh, things that have been going on in Israel done to Palestinians for 75 years. These are all separate issues. These are all separate issues and can be looked at separately. Just because I side with one, it doesn't mean I'm against the other. But one thing rings always true, and that is Netanyahu is a criminal and needs to be jailed immediately, along with several of his right-wing compatriots in the Neset. But you got to remember, you have to be able to look at things logically. The attack on Israel, horrible. Yes. The attack on uh, the Gaza Strip, horrible. The attack on uh, uh, the, uh, the Western Bank, horrible. All of it, horrible. 56 years of a... Excuse me. Well, let's, let's be conservative with this. 16 years of apartheid. Horrible. All of this. Horrible. It just seems most of it is coming from Israel. Yes, Hamas is horrible. And a lot of it comes from Hamas. That's horrible too. But you also have to consider what's happening not in a vacuum because what Hamas did was not in a vacuum. It, it's a response to decades of turmoil caused by Israel. If Israel hadn't been doing all this, taking people's property, killing people, summary execution, jailing people for no reason, they would not have been created. Sorry, that was just a rant. Monday, Israeli tanks have surrounded northern Gaza, had surrounded northern Gaza's Indonesian hospital after artillery fire killed at least 12 Palestinians in the complex. Ashraf al... I knew an Ashraf when I was young. Ashraf al-Qudra, Gaza's health ministry spokesman, said, the situation is catastrophic. In the Indonesian hospital, where hundreds of people remain trapped, he said, the Indonesian hospital staff are insisting they will stay to treat the wounded. There are about 700 people, including medical staff and injured people, inside the hospital. Indonesia's foreign minister, Retno Marsudi, condemned Israel's actions and urged Tel Aviv partners to stop its atrocities. She said in a statement, the attacks is a, uh, attack is a clear violation of international humanitarian laws. All countries, especially those that have close relations with Israel, must use all their influence and capabilities to urge Israel to stop its atrocities. <coughs> the United States. <coughs> uh, the United Nations Humanitarian Agency, OCHA, OCHA, has reported the collapse of services 
at hospitals across northern Gaza following widespread airstrikes and the lack of fuel and medical supplies. The World Health Organization, who, who, that's who, the World Health Organization, said it is appalled by the attacks on the Indonesian hospital. The agency said in a statement, health workers and Civilians should never have to be exposed to such horror, and especially while inside a hospital. There have been multiple and ongoing attacks on health facilities in the last six weeks that have resulted in forced mass evacuations from hospitals and multiple facilities and casualties among patients, their companions, and those who had sought refuge in hospitals. The Indonesian hospital had already reported sustained damages due to at least five attacks since October 7th. WHO, World Health Organization, that's WHO, has recorded 335 attacks on healthcare in the occupied Palestinian territory since October 7th, including 164 attacks in the Gaza Strip and 171 attacks in the West Bank. The agency added the world cannot stand silent while these hospitals, which should be safe havens, are transformed into scenes of death devastation, and despair. Yesterday, Doctors Without Borders said two of its physicians, Dr. Mahmoud Abu Nujalia and Ahmad Al-Sahar, were killed along with another doctor, Zayed Al-Tatari, in a strike on Al-Awda, A-W-D-A, hospital in northern Gaza. Israeli officials claims Hamas and other Palestinian militants are using hospitals as headquarters. However, Israel has provided no proof to support its allegations, which Palestinian and international medical professionals working in the facilities resoundingly refute. Israel says they are uh, releasing footage from, uh, they got through the blast doors of that tunnel around um, the other hospital in southern Gaza. Uh, but you can't trust anything that they show you. You really can't because they are very adept at lying. Israel's cabinet has approved a deal for the release of hostages seized by Hamas in exchange for a pause in fighting in Gaza. The agreement would see the release of at least 50 hostages, women and children in exchange for a four-day truce in Israel's air and ground campaign, and it held out the potential for an extension, saying that an extra day would be added for each additional 10 hostages available for release. 150 Palestinian prisoners will be released from Israeli jails as part of the agreement. Israel has also released a list of 300 Palestinian prisoners who could ultimately be part of a wider agreement to release hostages held in Gaza. Also, Aid will start flowing into Gaza, including fuel and cooking oil uh, for uh, citizens. The U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken said last night that the talks marked significant progress, but said the country would not rest as long as Hamas continues to hold hostages in Gaza. The United Kingdom's Foreign Secretary David Cameron described the agreement between Israel and Hamas as a crucial step towards providing relief to the families and the ho- of the hostages and addressing the humanitarian crisis in Gaza. Australia's Foreign Ministry Penny Wong has also hailed the deal as a sign of progress. European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen and European Council President Charles Michel said they welcomed the breakthrough deal between Israel and Hamas 
on the release of hostages. Michelle adding that he was grateful to Guitar in Egypt, who helped broker the deal. Kremlin spokespuppet Dmitry Pesky Peskov described the deal as the first good news from Gaza in a very long time and added that Russia has consistently advocated for a truce and humanitarian pauses as they bomb the fuck out of civilians in Ukraine. He's, he says this. Uh, China's Ministry of Foreign Affairs spokesman Mao Neng said they hoped the deal will help to alleviate the difficult humanitarian crisis, de-escalate the conflict, and ease tensions. Qatar, a key negotiator, said it hoped, in fact, they, they, they are the ones that did it, said it hoped the pause in fighting could help pave the way towards a long-term solution. Mohammed Al-Khulafi, Minister of State of Qatar's Ministry of Foreign Affairs, said in a statement that the country's priority was now working on efforts to secure a long-term ceasefire and the war and work towards lasting peace. That sentiment was echoed by Egyptian President Abdel Fattah el-Sisi, who welcomed the success of the Egyptian-Qatari-American mediation in implementing a humanitarian truce, but renewed his commitment to finding a final and sustainable solution. I'm sure he didn't mean to use the words final and solution so close together, but perhaps that was some wording that meant something to Israel. According to state-run Palestinian news agency, Wafa, Palestinian Authority President Mahmoud Abbas also welcomed the hostage deal, but renewed his calls for a full ceasefire. The Israel-Hamas truce is slated to begin at 10 a.m. local time, which is 3 a.m. Eastern time here, uh, uh, Thanksgiving. So I guess tomorrow morning, Israel will stop their genocide. Doubtful, but maybe. As a direct result of the escalating violence in the Middle East, there are increased threats of possible terror attacks in New York City, and I'm sure across the United States and different places. I don't like crowds anyway, so I'm okay. Of course, we have the Thanksgiving Day Parade to worry about, and Black Friday, Governor Kathy Hochul has already taken action to beef up security and increase staffing of the Joint Terrorism Task Force following a new threat assessment by the New York State Intelligence Center that violence in Gaza is driving chatter about targets in New York. She said, I am working hard at the state level with the control I have. I'll be talking about this tomorrow, about exactly what we're doing and how many online threats we've uncovered how many have been investigated, and what the outcome is. So I guess you'll be talking today about that. The Intelligence Center warned that the spread of anti-Semitic and anti-Palestinian rhetoric on social media is fueling an increase in hate crimes targeting Jews, Muslims, and Arabs. Which, don't target anyone, please. Just leave them alone. Most of the, most of, if you're targeting Jews, most of the Jews in America, a lot of them, a large amount of them, support Palestinian peace. Uh, The report said the expansion of Israeli operations against Hamas in the Gaza Strip and an increase in civilian casualties raises the likelihood that violent extremist threat actors will seek to conduct attacks against targets in the West, with New York State being a focus. Terrorist messaging has placed focus on attacking 
soft targets such as protests, group gatherings, and other public events. And remember, it's always the lone wolf. Remember how I always say, don't announce that you're going to do it, just do it. That's what a lone wolf does. Anyway, last week, I think we talked about what South Korea would do if the DPRK, North Korea, launched that spy satellite. Today, South Korea moved to suspend parts of a 2018 military pact with, the North, with North Korea after Pyongyang defied warnings from the U.S. and its allies with what it said was the successful launch of its first spy satellite, probably due to uh, Russia giving them uh, uh, technology. The agreement suspended live fire exercises in some areas, imposed no-fly zones, and curtailed surveillance, among other measures. But it has been criticized as hindering South Korea's ability to monitor North Korea's activities near the border, especially as the North has stepped up weapons testing in recent years. North Korea launched the Malagyong-1 satellite on Cholina one rocket from the Sohai facility on its west coast at 10.42 p.m. Tuesday, local time, uh, 8.42 a.m. Eastern time, according to the KCNA, uh, the state uh, news agency. The rocket flew normally along the preset flight track and the satellite entered orbit at 10.54 p.m. Uh, Prime Minister Han Duk-su said at a cabinet meeting today that South Korea would restore reconnaissance and surveillance activities around the military demarcation line uh, uh, that separates the North and South, also known as the DMZ, the Demilitarized Zone. He said North Korea is clearly demonstrating that it has no intention to abide by the September 19th military agreement designed to reduce military tension on the Korean Peninsula and to build trust. Of course, North Korea is likely to use the enhanced South Korean surveillance as an excuse to, for further military provocations. <clears throat> Excuse me. Let's drink some coffee. Boy, there is a lot. What is going on? How many pages do I have today? <sighs> Yesterday, a drudge ruled mail-in ballots in Pennsylvania without accurate handwritten dates on their exterior envelopes must still be counted if they are received in time. Uh, Concluding that rejecting such ballots violates federal civil rights law. The decision has implications for the 2024 presidential election in a key battleground state of Pennsylvania where Democrats have been far more likely to vote by mail than Republicans. You know, it used to be that Republicans voted by mail more than Democrats. But that has changed. Uh, Republicans know that the less who vote, the more likely they get elected. So they restrict voters wherever they can. Uh, But now, when they're restricting it in mail, that means they're targeting Democrats. In the latest lawsuit filing over the 2019 state voting law, U.S. District Judge Susan Paradise Baxter ruled that country Boards of elections may no longer reject mail ballots that lack accurate handwritten dates on their return envelopes. Baxter said the date, which is required by state law, is irrelevant in helping election officials decide whether the ballot was received in time or whether the voter is qualified to cast a ballot. I, I mean, you can write anything. I can write. I can write that I. 
uh, that uh, even if I sent it after, I could write that it was sometime before. It still would, it, it wouldn't matter. As long as they get it before, it wouldn't matter. Uh, the GOP has repeatedly fought in court to get such ballots thrown out, part of a campaign to invalidate mail-in ballots and mail-in voting in Pennsylvania after Trump baselessly claimed in 2020 that mail balloting was rife with fraud. This is a little odd considering the judge is a Trump appointee. I'm shocked. <coughs> the judge sided with several Pennsylvania groups represented by the American Civil Liberties Union, which argued that refusing to count such ballots because of trivial paperwork error disenfranchises voters and violates provisions of the U.S. Civil Rights Act of 1964, which states that immaterial errors or omissions should not be used to prevent voting. She had to, she had to go along with it. Yesterday, a Georgia judge refused to revoke the bond of Harrison Floyd, one of Donald Trump's co-defendants in the election racketeering case, for what prosecutors called threatening and intimidating social media posts about witnesses in the case. Fulton County Superior uh, Judge Scott McAfee ruled that posts mentioning election worker Ruby Freeman weren't threats in the traditional sense. McAfee ruled comments about Secretary of State official Gabrielle Sterling and former co-defendant Jenna Ellis may have been technical violations of the agreement against communicating with witnesses, but not every violation means he should revoke the bond and jail Floyd. McAfee said, I read these as seeing more uh, as seeing more than uh, that someone is wanting to defend his case in a very public way. Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis asked to jail Floyd because of social media posts and broader interviews. She said violated his bond agreement not to interfere with witnesses. But Floyd's lawyers argued her request lacks any good faith basis. Floyd who served as leader for the organization Black Voices for Trump. Oh, he's the one. Remained free on $100,000 bond while awaiting a trial that might start before August, so he stays out of jail for now until he does something stupider. Uh, but the bond agreement, excuse me, the bond argument serves as a warning about the what defendants can say about pending cases. Trump is appealing two gag orders in other trials, in New York trial over uh, business fraud and a federal crimes uh, criminal trial over charges of election interference that he contends infringe on his First Amendment right to criticize the cases while campaigning for president. But I'm sure his lawyers have read this decision just so they can be careful about everything. We just talked about Trump in Colorado on Monday and said an appeal to that technicality was coming. Yesterday, the Colorado Supreme Court agreed to hear appeals for both a liberal group that sought to disqualify Donald Trump and the former president himself after a state judge ruled that Trump engaged in insurrection on January 6, 2021, but can still appear on the state's ballot. Oral arguments will take place December 6. The case will be heard by the seven justices on the state's court, all of whom were appointed by Democrats. Uh-oh. <laughs> Colorado officials have urged a final decision by January 5th, 
2024 when they must finalize their primary ballot. The next step after Colorado's high court would be the U.S. Supreme Court, which has never ruled on Section 3. Now, the final decision, they will probably wait until just before January 5th, so there's no time for appeal. That's what I what I would guess. I have always been a big fan of hydrogen uh, hydrogen future for cars, but we are far from being there yet, the technology. Right now, most hydrogen is created by burning fossil fuels. If it was all made from renewable energy, it would be well worth it. A new paper out from the new, uh, the new Friend of the Earth International, F-O-E-I, called Don't Fall for the Hydrogen Hype, was put out ahead of this COP28 global climate talks. The paper explains hydrogen is a big polluter's latest trick and we can't afford to fall for it. Yes, that's right. Big oil is allowed to produce hydrogen from burning oil and calling it green. Hydrogen, currently, is just like a battery or an energy carrier because you just, you're basically just transferring energy into a, 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 um, a, a storable source, right? Hydrogen currently is just like a battery in that way. Hydrogen stores and transports energy produced from resources such as biomass, fossil fuels, and water. But FOEI says industry promises of hydrogen potential should not be trusted. The paper says globally more than 60, 62% of hydrogen production is derived from fossil gas known as gray hydrogen, blue hydrogen when uh, coupled with carbon capture and storage, or turquoise hydrogen when produced from methane pyrolysis. Uh, you know, this is one of those charts with different colors to, to uh, indicate uh, where the hydrogen comes from. About 21% comes from coal and lignit, which is black or brown hydrogen. 16% is produced as a byproduct at refineries. 5% derived from oil, uh, excuse me, 0.5% derived from oil, whilst only 0.1% is produced via water electrolysis, which is green from renewable electricity, uh, or purple and pink from uh, nuclear. While some groups support green hydrogen, critics, including FOI, uh, FOEI, emphasize that along with being incredibly uncommon, it demands huge amounts of cheap renewable electricity to function, rendering the process highly inefficient and requires vast amounts of water and increasingly rare and precious resource that shouldn't be wasted. Though that may be true, you can drink the tailpipe emissions, which is just water. Which also means it could in the future run itself and recycle its own emissions to make more energy. But that is far away. FOEI says pushed by the same fossil industry that has caused and continues to fuel the climate crisis, hydrogen is yet another false solution sold by the industry as a magical fix, which allows business as usual to continue. Like other 
false solutions. It represents a dangerous distraction from the urgent, deep, real emission cuts that are needed to address the climate crisis. But then you say, well, oil companies are going to capture their carbon and used carbon used to make it, which is gray. I think they, they had that on the chart as gray. But on a grand scale, that is very iffy science, and we don't know the long-term effects of injecting carbon under the earth. Does it leak and pollute the earth around it, destabilizing the ground underneath? Does it kill trillions and trillions of microbes per cubic acre around it? Will it, it leach into the ocean, create dead zones, and kill fish and plankton? Already, some governments are pouring money into hydrogen. U.S. President Joe Biden last month announced a historic investment of up to $7 billion for seven hubs across the United States. But unless it's green hydrogen, it's only sleight of hand. Yesterday, the U.S. Coast Guard said it is still seeking the source of an oil leak from a pipeline linked, uh, excuse me, a leak from, a, yeah, oil link from pipeline linked to Houston-based firm off the Louisiana coast in the Gulf of Mexico, which it estimated has released more than 1 million gallons of crude oil. This 67-mile-long underseas pipeline was closed by Maine Pass Oil Gathering Company, MPOG, Thursday after crude oil was spotted around 19 miles offshore of the Mississippi River Delta near Placa Mines Parish, southeast of New Orleans. The Coast Guard is leading a multi-agency response, which includes the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Local reports said oiled pelicans had been spotted in the area while overflights and boat surveys were part of the response, which included underwater devices. Looking at the pipeline, operations of seven energy companies have been impacted in the spill. Initial engineering calculations placed the volume of at least 1.1 million gallons or 26 uh, 26,190 barrels. Captain Kelly Denning, Coast Guard Deputy Commander for the New Orleans sector, told the media, we're not saying that was the exact amount. We are not going to know the exact amount of oil that was discharged in the Gulf of Mexico until we find the source. Elon Musk is attempting to polish the turd he laid yesterday. He announced that all revenue from advertising and subscriptions associated with the war in Gaza will be donated to hospital, hospitals in Israel and the Red Cross in Gaza. Musk said his company will track how funds are spent and go through Red Cross Crescent to ensure that funds do not end up in Hamas hands. He added, we should care about the innocent regardless of race, creed, religion, or anything else. We will see if that gets back some advertisers. I doubt they'll come back right away. So if you've been watching the Sam Altman's drama, it just got crazier. Sam Altman has been the head of the chat GPT maker, OpenAI. Then the board pushed him out saying he wasn't con consistently candid with what he's doing. Altman, who joined the research organization as its CEO in 2019, was instrumental in transforming it from a nonprofit entity to a hybrid model that could attract billions of dollars in funding from investors like Microsoft and Tencent. Under his leadership, OpenAI achieved remarkable breakthroughs in natural language processing, computer vision, and reinforcement learning, culminating in the creation of ChatGPT3, the most powerful language model ever built. According to some estimates, OpenAI's valuation soared to 80 
billion dollars, making it one of the most valuable AI companies in the world. The firing and ambiguous language used to justify it produced outrage and rumors, but a key factor in Altman's ouster was the presence of tensions between Altman, who favored pushing AI development more aggressively, and members of the original OpenAI board who wanted to move more cautiously. As of Monday morning, Nadella had announced that Altman, along with fellow OpenAI co-founder Greg Brockman, would be joining Microsoft to lead new AI research division. OpenAI said it had hired former uh, Twitch chief Emmett Shear as interim CEO. That was day before yesterday. But then 700 OpenAI employees, nearly the company's entire staff, threatened to leave, potentially from Microsoft, uh, if the company board didn't re- resign and reinstate Altman as CEO. It was a big threat. It would have dissolved the company. Do you know of any CEO who would get that much support from its employees? So now, Sam Altman has agreed to return to lead OpenAI just days after his surprise ouster as chief executive sparked that employee revolt that threatened to undermine what has been leading company, uh, what has been the leading company in the fledgling artificial intelligence industry. The company said, we have reached an agreement in principle for Sam Altman to return to OpenAI as CEO with a new initial board, adding that the board will be chaired by Brett Taylor, a former co-CEO of Salesforce. Former Treasury Secretary Larry Summers will also join the board alongside existing director, core CEO Adam D'Angelo. So the board who tried to take him out had to go and he got his own board to come back uh, as, as a reason for him to come back. I will say this. This is likely a prequel to Microsoft offering a lot of money to buy the company. Sorry, it is privately held. So you likely couldn't get in on that possibility. Anyway, that's it. Thanks for listening. Wednesday, November 22nd, 2023. Wednesday, November 22nd, 2023. Man, do I appreciate you. Have I ever told you that? Bring someone with you if you can today or tomorrow. PVTV, Political Views TV Podcast. That's what you Google to find me. I'll show up right at the top of the search. You can tweet to me questions, insights, or come fight with me at Cyberclops, C-Y-B-E-R-C-L-O-P-S on formerly known as Twitter. And remember... Always remember, government profit is measured by the betterment of the people. Don't you ever forget that. I'm Peter Lawrence, reporting from Los Angeles.